0: man, outlaw, guns blazing, a crack shot, slow motion shots of spewing blood, ballet of death, shot dead, boot hill, brace of pistols, robbing a moving train, railroad tracks, robbing the stage, boots of mythic proportions, silver heels, kimosabi, justice. WXYZ. William Tell. Where Legends Road. Free Roaming. Pounding of Hooves. Scout. Texas Ranger. Squinty Eyed. Infamous Gunfight. Saloon Owner. Buffalo Hunter. Shootist. Lone Rider Cliche. Gambler. Poker Game. Range War. Cattle Baron. Jailbreak. A wanted man, Pinkerton, pinning on a badge, flat brim, calloused hands, hanging judge, stretched neck, gold rush, adobe hacienda, townsfolk, monument valley, the calvary, school marm, dime novels, trailblazer, saddle pal, he works from dawn to dark being alternatively roasted and frostbitten, pricked by thorns and bruised by his saddle. In his ears is the constant whine of the wind, his eyes ache in the sun. He seldom sees a woman. When he does, he's hard-pressed to think of what to say. He's part monk, part slave, part emperor, a combination which, to his mind, makes him the freest man on earth. They call themselves... The cowboys. We did a show on cowboys back in episode 18, but we've decided that there are so many cowboy themed wines out there that we can make it a recurring theme. So here's the second cowboy themed broadcast. To keep the two separate, we're calling this one the Cicada Free Cowboy Show. That's because the first cowboy show was recorded outside around a campfire. It was a pretty bad idea, so we're avoiding those little buggers this time.
1: Coming up next, The Juicy Truth with number 11 and Rotwang.
0: drunk. And vino veritas. Us Latin doll. Evidently Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Tonight we will be reviewing two cowboy wines. One called Bob wire or barbed wire I should say. And it's a meritage. Naturally enough there's a little strand of barbed wire on the label of that uh, mostly black label and then the other wine you'll hear the difference in the reviews because we'll change the musical bed between the reviews and the second wine we'll be drinking is Klein's Oakley Five Reds and on that label there's an image of a lasso so let's begin we'll start with barbed wire So. I'm here with uh, number one, my mom, and two new wine lovers who are also related to me. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you a little about my guests. My nephew, Hank, is an officer and a Navy submariner. Hank. Hi. His wife, Calais, is a diver and a student of marine ecology and preservation. Hello. They currently live on Guam, and we feel very lucky to have them with us, as they rarely get away from the island. And they've been into wine for quite a while. Barbed wire. Which doesn't... Cowboy. It sounds cowboy. It sounds cowboy, but it also sounds like, would you want to name your wine after this? It might be a little rough going down, I'm not sure. Yeah, it might hurt.
1: Is this for real, man?
0: It's cowboys. Real, real cowboys drink bob wire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it smells like wine.
0: It does smell like wine? It's got kind of a
2: lighter nose to it. It's not. It's not a. Not a very heavy aroma. But
0: we actually do this uh, step by step. There's nine points that we judge it on, and the first point is color. We can't really see it in this light very well, but it
1: appears to have some color.
0: It does. It's (laughs) dark in the glass. Definitely,
1: (laughs) it's not white. It is a red wine.
0: (laughs) Well, I I can tell you that it is uh, a mixture of uh, Cabernet and Merlot.
1: We'll we'll use the flashlight feature on our iPhones to to look at the color better.
0: Because that app is worthless (laughs) until today. (laughs) Next is clarity. Okay, so um, I'm gonna say we'll just give it ten points for clarity and uh, color for now. Aroma notes? I don't know.
1: It doesn't smell very fragrant. No. Right? Not applicable. <laughs> Not applicable.
0: <laughs> I agree with what you said. At first, it smells like wine. Yeah. It's an enjoyable, an enjoyable smell, but nothing extra, right? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have a. It doesn't have a very strong alcohol smell. Right. I usually take that as a negative.
2: I I agree, but it doesn't appear to be covering any other good smells.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, fragrance. We were talking about fragrance, and we kind of all agreed it was very light on the fragrance. So here we can actually give it a meaningful grade.
1: Two.
2: Yeah, two sounds good. Four. It's pretty neutral.
0: The Four is a pretty neutral number. It
2: doesn't have any bad smells.
1: Oh, I was was going strength of smell or quality of smell.
0: I'm leaning more towards what Hank is saying. It's and definitely not offended. Right, and there's no skunk.
1: (laughs) I put it it at a nice five.
0: I would put it at a four, too, because it it is a five, but I'm disappointed that brings it down a point. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Four.
0: Taste notes.
1: I put it as a five for taste, because if you're Mm going... On quality, it doesn't have much taste, but the taste isn't bad. It just doesn't make my taste buds tingle.
2: No. It doesn't have any berry, uh, berry flavors, no fruits. Wood? Uh, No. Not even, even the, it's partially Merlot. It sounds like they favored the Cabernet a little more, but the Merlot doesn't come out too much.
0: Barbed wire was made by using a process called cold soaking it's associated more with Pinot Noir harvests and not so much Meritage blends. But it's really just keeping the grapes in dry ice so you can work slower before straining out the pomé or everything that's not juice. Cold soaking is supposed to help add color and eliminate bitter seed tannins. Both of these wines had very nice tannins. Both of these wines also were aged in French oak if i was going to guess at a flavor i would say there it might be some wood in there
2: it's not the oak wood but like a almost like a woody smoky sort of flavor that comes out but it's not strong it's like the opposite of its name and it's not rough
0: well that's good i was i thought we'd all spit it out into a nearby spittoon i think what i'm tasting is the tannins that, and i'm just attributing it to wood and Those tannins aren't bitter and they're not rough, which is in its favor. I'm gonna say eight.
2: Seven or eight? Six. Tastes like a table wine to me.
1: Yeah, I like drinking red wine with stuff, so I'm gonna give it a seven. It's an enjoyable wine. Um, Seven
2: it is.
0: All right. Researching the barbed wire Meritage, I learned a few things. First, I don't think we've ever had a wine called a Meritage before, but we've certainly drank a wine that could have been called Meritage. I don't really like the word, because really it only means wine blend. It doesn't even differentiate between a red or a white blend. It's also a licensed designation, which means the bottlers paid for the use of the word Meritage. And they're using it just to replace the phrase table wine. Although I like the sound of meritage as a combination word between merit and heritage, I uh, don't like what it stands for. The body. The body of this is okay. I think it's medium to heavy. And for a cab and a Merlot, that's probably about right.
1: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And I wouldn't quite say that it lives up to the hyperbole of the uh, label, but it does say that it combines the brawn and the Cabernet Sauvignon.
0: I think that they've controlled the, the alcohol, and if that was more present, then you'd say that it had more body. Six. I'll go a little higher, seven. I'd go a
1: six. Complexity or structure? I would call it a simple wine.
0: We talk about complexity and structure, and there's not anything there. The complexity is like the taste after the taste, the initial taste of what's on your tongue, like you were talking about, the tingle. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of dead at (laughs) at the finish. I'm going to go probably four. I agree.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. Acid balance.
2: It's a nice dry wine that, it manages to be dry without having a vinegar taste mm-hmm. to it so that's got that's it. a plus
0: it's not very acidy mm-hmm. that's probably the highest category besides the g- gimmies I, I say a nine yeah it's got mm-hmm. a it's very well balanced I,
1: eight
0: I would go with nine too. Sure. come on mom <laughs> you gotta weigh in on this one because you really always why. like complain about too, too much acid this one doesn't have it
1: Alcohol balance.
2: I would have liked if there was something more hiding behind the alcohol taste. What's
1: the alcohol content in it? I don't think you said 13.
0: 13%. 13%. Okay, so let's give the alcohol a number. Seven.
1: It has alcohol, so I'm going to give it a 10.
0: Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> this one needs some points, I can tell you. So I'm going to give it pretty high, too. I'm going to say nine. I'll say nine. Finally. Price. Let's say this costs $12, eh, would you buy this wine, knowing what you know now, at that price? No. Okay, but you have to also give it a number from one if, to if ten. If I got
1: a case discount, I would. Oh, okay. <laughs> no,
0: that's true.
1: And then you'd have
0: a case of it. Yeah. You'd give it away. <laughs> you'd have a party.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's not
1: that bad. I, I don't, yeah, I don't I, mind it. I would buy it. Seven. Sometimes you just like a nice, simple red, so I would give it an eight.
0: Eight sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's not bad. It's kind of mediocre. I would. There's so many wines out there to try. I probably wouldn't. And so I'm gonna give it a little bit lower, maybe seven, six. Barbed wire receives a whopping seventy-three points. Another interesting fact about barbed wire is that it is made by Trinchero Family Estates which is part of the Sutter Home family of labels. Everyone's heard of Sutter Home. They're a huge group that produce mostly inexpensive wines. Sutter Home also makes a wine I really enjoy called Ménage à Trois under the Follet Adu label, which we will certainly be talking more about in future shows. Calais, you're basically a California girl, aren't
1: you? Uh, yeah. I am indeed a 100% California person.
0: That's what I thought. This is a California wine, as was the last one, but this one has some real cowboy poetry on on the label, and I was hoping you would read it if you can, that little type.
1: Uh, Out west where the wild winds blow off the San Joaquin River is where you'll find Klein Cellars, gnarly ancient grapevines growing in sand without irrigation, their roots plunge 25 feet in search of water. These extreme conditions produce grapes with intense flavors. Oakley Five Reds is a smooth blend of Merlot, Syrah, Barbera, Petite Syrah, uh, Alicate Boucher offering flavors of spicy berries, an excellent accompaniment to spicy western grub or tomato-based dishes. Round up your posse and enjoy. And having been to Oakley, California, I can tell you it's not really an exotic and exciting place.
2: <laughs> Did you go with or without your
0: posse?
1: <laughs> I went without my oh, posse.
0: I wanted to ask you about the word gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so is this where the surfers picked up the word gnarly no. from the grapevines?
1: <laughs> no. it's Oakley is nowhere near the water. <laughs> it's a little bit on its own. <laughs> it's towards the valley. Does
2: it have yeah. oaks? Oak trees have a root that goes really deep yeah. too. Maybe,
1: maybe there was oaks there at one time. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of oaks in California. I'm sure there's. You know, gosh, I have not been there in 20 years, so it's been a while. I just. It seems like it was called Oakley. Yeah, there ought to be oaks there. I'm sure oaks can grow there, but I know <laughs> it had a bike path that was pretty nice.
0: I rode my bike Bike path, California, that doesn't have a rig. <laughs> <laughs> I rode
1: my bike there when I was much, much younger.
0: <laughs> Let us get to the tasting and the smelling and the wine enjoyment.
1: It's sweeter. Yeah, it smells much sweeter. And there's more bubbles at the top of it.
0: When they bottle wine these days, they fill the ullage or the airspace at the top of the bottle with.
2: Nitrogen? Uh, yes,
0: nitrogen is most okay. commonly used, which might be, make bubbles. They used to use CO2, um,
2: but the CO2 absorbs into the liquid and makes it more acidic.
0: and so They stopped using, they stopped
2: using it. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs>
1: Nitrogen's less reactive. Mm-hmm.
0: It's nice to have two guests on a wine podcast who have a good foundation in chemistry. The two main grapes for Oakley Five Reds are the familiar Merlot and Zinfandel. But what's this Alicante Boucher grape? If I ever run into this grape again, I hope I remember it as the bootlegger grape, because it imparts such a strong color to wine that back in the Prohibition days, they used it so they could water down the wine without losing the color.
2: Well, it's less purple, and it's almost a little light up to the bottom. You can almost see a little orange in the in it with the light shining up from the bottom. But it's definitely more red, less purple. Okay. Still not a whole lot of aroma. A yeah. little more than the other. One. A lot more than the other one. Yeah.
0: And I like it better too, mm-hmm. the smell or the fragrance.
2: It's not real strong. <laughs> So, do we have to use fragrance for this whole podcast? Is it one one smell word per cast, or
0: we could make up for the lack of using that word in all my other podcasts by just using it? But I just wanted us all to use it once. Um, so, mom, mom, have you said it?
1: Have you used the word bouquet?
0: Um, no, because it's too snooty, highfalutin.
1: <laughs> but you can you can be the
0: you can be the bouquet lady. <laughs>
1: It, it has a nice
2: fragrance, I
0: think. I think we're going to give it standard 10. Well, let's go with your decision on that because you actually uh, Yeah, <laughs> spent some time with it. Okay. <coughs> De- Deb, you got to hit the cough button. High class radio. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me this cold. <laughs> okay, so clarity is next. I don't taste any granulated sediments or anything in there. Oh, I've had a wine before that was uh, brownish colored. Was it all natural?
2: Uh, a lot of natural wines have more sediment because it's hard to get rid of it without uh, chemicals to it.
0: If it was, they weren't boasting about it on the label. I really have not found any residue at the bottom of a bottle, except for one called uh, Three Ring Magic from Australia. It was a Shiraz. It had a lot of gunk in the bottom of it. <laughs> okay, so we got those first two tens. Aroma notes? We go on to the fragrance, which is better than last wine, and it's not bad at all. Hank, going a little deep there, aren't you? <laughs>
1: not supposed to snort it.
0: I think we can all agree that a ruby drip hanging off the end of one's nose is a sign that you are really into wine.
2: That smells a lot fresher. It's more crisp and clean smelling. Reminds me of a bakery, like a pie, like a fruit pie. Has less of a strong, like not the fresh fruit smell, but more of the subdued, like juice Poor. Six.
1: Six. 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 I'm not as much of a sweet wine
2: person. Overruled.
1: This is not a wine I would let my 12-year-old taste if I had a 12-year-old. It might be too much of a gateway wine.
0: Taste notes.
2: A little cherry. There's a little cherry.
0: A cranberry. Ooh, cranberry. Yeah.
2: I think it has more of an aftertaste than the other wine also.
0: Yeah, that's called the finish, and it's a good thing to have.
2: Well, I like the last one better. The flavor is a little more sweet, but it doesn't have... It's, it's still a dry wine, it's very dry. And I like the dichotomy of a sweeter, like a more, a berry-flavored dry wine. And this one kind of mixes it up. I like it significantly better than the last one. I'll call this
0: one an eight. I'm gonna go with an eight, too.
1: Seven. I'm going to go with six because I actually like the last one better. It's more my style.
2: The body. It's just more well-proportioned than the last one because instead of having a, a full body that kind of hits and quits, this is it kind of draws out the experience and it's a little lighter but... I think it's rises, lighter. Rises and falls. Another eight.
0: I was thinking seven or eight. I'll go eight. I'm going to go
1: seven.
0: Acid balance. This is what? like the other one, and there's not a lot of acid, I don't think. Nothing? No, I don't think
1: there's a
0: lot of acid. It might be a little brighter, which would, to me, would say there might be a little bit more acid than the other one. But...
1: Harrison
0: snorted it, so he might
2: have a different
0: opinion. <laughs> yeah. How, how did it snort? <laughs> uh, One nostril is more clear
2: than the (laughs) other. I wouldn't say it's very acidic.
0: You're ridiculous. I would give it pretty high points. I like acid. I have a high tolerance for acid. I'll give the acid balance eight points.
1: Probably a seven. Seven. Complexity or structure?
2: More than last one. Definitely better than the last one.
1: I, like, need to compare the two next to each
2: other.
0: One sip and then another sip?
1: Maybe With just a little,
0: little sherbert or something yeah. in between? Like a nice <laughs> coffee
1: bean sniff, <laughs> you know? Not a snort mm. that Harrison prefers,
2: but... Well, the spicy that they claim on the label, I don't... I don't get that as much. It's not... It
1: is not there's spicy. There's no peppery no. I so flavor.
2: Me. Like, I've, I've never had a wine that tasted like... An actual, like, bell pepper, but, like, we've had black pepper Flavors into mine. This doesn't have that at all.
1: This is not spicy to me.
2: The same two characteristics of it kind of come in and out. So at first, the first sip, I get a lot more of the fruit, and then the tannins kind of move in from there, and you get a, a period of time that's very dry, and uh, starts to dry your mouth a little bit. But the aftertaste doesn't isn't all tanniny. It's you get a little bit of the fruit back afterwards.
0: The Oakley website mentioned that the barrels had a medium toast. A fun fact about the original Oakley winery, the family was related to the inventor of the jacuzzi, Mr. Jacuzzi. I don't recommend either of these wines' websites, by the way. There's just not a lot to discover there. So, number one has scurried off into the kitchen and returned with a bag of coffee. I've never heard of this, but Calais is using it to... It cleanses your your nose palate.
1: The scent of coffee beans doesn't linger on your palate. If you smell it, it doesn't stick the way as if you were drinking it. So I started that like when I went wine tasting in Oregon.
0: That's why they had that jar of coffee beans at at the Fragrant Center. So, yeah. Yes. So
1: in in between tastes or smells of things, if you take a whiff of beans.
0: Whiff of beans. There should be a blazing saddle joke in here, I think. But it's an interesting idea to reset your sense of smell as you judge the fragrance of various wines using coffee beans. Let's give Oakley Five Reds a score for complexity. I'll give it a four. Plus seven. I'm a four.
1: Yeah. Now going back, I'm, I think the four was correct for both. Alcohol balance. I don't
2: taste any more of the alcohol in on this one than I the last one. I think it's because it's a so good sweet. Thing? Yeah, because it can hide higher alcohol content equally as well. It's, it's a great thing. I could go 9 or 10.
1: 9? I'm going to go with my 10 from before because it, it has
0: alcohol. 9. Finally, price. It's $8.
2: That's good. I would buy this one.
0: I would buy it again.
1: I would buy it to make Harrison happy.
2: Even if I wouldn't drink it. And that's what's really important in our relationship.
0: <laughs> Calais, I don't know you very well yet. Do you have any cowboy-related stories? Like, did you ever ride a horse? Did you ever shoot an Indian? Did you ever cook chili? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I did grow up riding horses and my family that's not from California, but from Oregon was best friends with uh, like, had a communal, uh, give and take, legitimately give and take relationship with an Indian tribe in Oregon, Native American. And I've been to the Pioneer House. Our house is still in Oregon.
2: So it's the hey, oldest. You had a very large pioneer family. Yeah, actually, it's quite it's cowboy, but it's kind of the oldest
1: along the same vein. It's the oldest family-occupied home in the state of Oregon. Okay. We have our own graveyard from the 1840s.
0: Nice. Do you remember anybody's <laughs> name on a gravestone there, or is it they all worn off?
1: No, I know uh, my whole family is buried there, so I have got um, five generations are buried there. So.
0: What's the funniest oh. name?
1: Uh, gosh. <laughs> um, Homer.
0: Homer Homer, that's a good one Wiener, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and, and
1: the house was the um, schoolyard for the area So it still has the school books from the 1850s and 60s oh, in it
0: cool. Hank, I know you a little better <laughs> Speaking of Native Americans Don't you have some Indian blood in you?
2: I do, and have to have a tribal ID card that I let expire. Oops, but... <laughs>
1: but you need to get renewed before we have a kid.
2: That's true.
0: Which tribe is that?
2: Uh, the Ojibwe tribe from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. So definitely not cowboys. As, as the generations go by, the tribal council members of the Ojibwe tribe get less and less pure-blooded, and so they know less and less about the history of our tribe, and the, one of the more recent tribe members decided that a good use of our government-funded money was to uh, rescue a large herd of buffalo that was going to get sold or slaughtered in, I think, Kansas and uh, and buy them for the tribe, but not realizing that we're a tribe that's never seen a buffalo ever.
0: Out in South Dakota, we had buffalo. Oakley Five Reds receives 80 points. Well, there you have our two wine reviews for episode 26.
2: Another five-minute mystery.
0: We've had our wine. Now it's time for the chapter and verse movie quiz. Set your imaginations to widescreen Technicolor Western and see if you can figure out the name of the mystery movie. It's a classic... I'll be describing chapter 14, and we're calling this chapter No Match for the Stranger. This DVD has only 16 long chapters, so we're gonna cheat and describe only part of chapter 14. This chapter comes near the end of the movie and contains the heart of this simple story from the Old West. The story is simple, but the staging and editing in this film is masterful. The real start of the scene is a fade-in from the previous scene, a dissolve. It's night, and a pair of faces are poised over the cutaway top of a saloon door. They spy outside from their shadowy lair, just waiting. The camera starts to press in on them, but cuts away to show their point of view. They watch a purple landscape. They can make out a horizon and a unique stand of trees. There are lots of clouds in the big sky. The scene was probably shot day for night with a filter added. We cut back to the motionless pair of saloon patrons. We're getting closer. The one on the left is a white-haired gentleman with a full beard. His hair looks wild, but Hollywood wild. It looks styled to be unkept. The other watcher has a cowboy hat that's pushed up flat in the front. He has a similar beard, but it's more yellow brassy in color. Just over the brassy one's shoulder is part of another face, but in profile. We really only see one staring, shark-like eye. The gentleman wears a black hat. You might not even see he's in the shot, but he moves forward just enough for you to catch the movement. There's a new dissolve and another scene. A cowboy walks from the left of the frame. He adjusts his bedroll onto the back of his saddle. His horse is tied and stands beside a rustic wooden fence. The horse is a very particular horse. It's an American paint horse, splashed white on its face and legs. It looks like it's wearing socks. The horse's halter is decorated with silver diamonds. The cowboy is covered in buckskin. His pants and coat are clean and tan. He wears a thick belt over the jacket. The belt is studded with silver conches. When he turns around towards us, we see he wears a single six-shooter high on his waist and in the front of his body. The fringe of his jacket swings as he moves forward. He wears a white hat. There is a quick insert shot of a young tow-headed boy sitting on the ground holding a dog. The boy looks to his left. There's a cut, and we see the boy stand up in the foreground as the cowboy marches towards us. The boy wears suspenders that hold up short pants. The boy turns and runs into the door of a cabin. The camera follows him. He calls to his pa, his father, and warns him that the cowboy's coming, and he's wearing a gun. There is a quick cut, and the camera is inside the cabin. We see the boy's back as he stands in front of his father. His father is fastening on a gun belt. There's a close-up reaction shot from the father. He frowns. He looks confused. He says, gun? The boy crosses from center frame to the right, revealing his mother sitting at the cabin table. She has full golden hair, but it's cut short. There's a kerosene lantern on the table and a window with curtains behind her head. There's a cut to the reverse angle, so we see the backs of the family as the cowboy enters the cabin. What goes on? Asks Joe, the father. The boy's mother leaps to her feet and begs the cowboy, Don't let him go. Then, don't anybody go. The cowboy waits in the doorway. He says, This is my kind of game, Joe. Joe says, Except it ain't yours. There's a close-up of the cowboy. He's calm and serious, but not angry. The cowboy tells Joe that Joe will not survive what awaits him in town. There's a close-up of Joe. He tells the cowboy, if he can't win by skill, then he'll outlast his enemies by sheer will. He thanks the cowboy for his offer to take his place. Joe looks dazed, like he's thinking of his own death. There's a close-up of Joe's wife, Marion. She tells him they're both crazy. She's very agitated and frightened. She twists around, gesturing to the cabin and tells them it isn't worth either man dying. She says she's sick of the life they've made and wants to run away. The married couple stand in a cowboy shot facing each other. A cowboy shot is one that crops the actors from the calf of their leg up above their heads. It's an appropriate cropping in this cowboy film. She moves closer in front of her husband but he pushes her gently aside. She turns around to the door which hides the cowboy behind the door. There's a cut to the reverse angle and we see the cowboy center frame again. He has his thumbs tucked into his gun belt. He now is stubbornly blocking the door so Joe can't leave. The cowboy says, It's no use, Joe. Joe says, What's stopping me? The two square off and talk tough at each other. There's an insert of the boy looking right. We presume he's looking to his father to see his reaction to the cowboy, who's holding his father a prisoner. Joe lunges at the cowboy, and the force carries him outside and off stage. Marion covers her face and screams. She turns around and moves right. There's a cut and we follow her movements, past her son to the cabin window. The boy follows her and they both look out the window. This chapter is basically one of many staged fights in the film, but this one's the best and the longest at two minutes. The editing style is fast-paced with many cuts, 56 to put a number on it. So I'll only be pointing out the general action from this point. The fight has started, but we can't clearly see the combatants. We hear the scuffle outside from inside the log cabin, along with Marion and the boy. They move back and forth from one window to the next, following the fight from the small room. Marion's face is wet with tears. The fight has spooked the horses and there's a continuous sound of whinnying on the soundtrack. It mingles with the sounds of fists and grunts. Marion gets up the nerve and runs out into the farmyard. The boy is left in the cabin looking confused. He follows after her. She finds the men rolling on the ground. There's a comic insert of the boy, wide-eyed and in shock at the extent of the violence. The actor playing the boy is a little cross-eyed, so when he tries to look surprised and stares with lips tight, he looks like a cartoon frog or fish. The men get off the ground to throw more punches, but the camera is set just off the ground under a wagon. The wheels frame the action as if we're watching from a safe distance. This might be an approximation of the boy's point of view. The boy is a witness to most of the action in this film. He's always spying from some hiding place on what the cowboy is doing. Back to the fight. Joe knocks the cowboy to the ground. Joe tries to mount a horse to make his way into town. The cowboy gets up and drags Joe back off the horse. There are inserts of the boy's reaction, the horse's reaction as well. The horse is shown rearing up and stamping around. There's a great chiaroscuro lighting, like a Rembrandt painting on the horse, and in many scenes where a lantern is supposed to be the light source. The trick of shooting low from under a wagon is repeated, only now the camera is under the horse. We see the fight continue in a peekaboo fashion, as it's obscured by the shifting forelegs of the animal as it kicks and bucks. It's a great shot to have this foreground action with the fight behind it. It frustrates our expectations and makes the fight more interesting. There's even a cut to a different angle under the horse as if we've moved and our view is still blocked. The crazy kicking of the horse stirs up the cattle in a nearby corral. There's a cut to the cows jumping out of the enclosure. There's an insert of Marion, mouth open and fretful. There's a nice foreground silhouette of another horse tied in the barn struggling while the two men fight. They show the family dog, also agitated. Basically the whole farm is in a tizzy. And all of this editing and quick cuts really helps disguise the fact that it's all happening on a soundstage, not a farm, out in the wilderness. Finally, we start to see the faces of the men. Joe's face is covered in dirt and sweat. He's the bigger man, so he puts the cowboy down again, but the cowboy is determined. He grabs Joe's leg as he passes and trips him. Joe starts headbutting the cowboy backwards. Joe pins the cowboy up against the stump featured in an earlier scene where the two worked together. So this reminds us of their friendship. There's a close-up insert shot of just the buckskin-wearing cowboy's midsection. You see his one free hand reach slowly to his gun belt. There's a cut to the boy's reaction. This is a classic suture. We know what the boy is thinking by connecting together what we know from earlier scenes with what the boy actor must be viewing. It's an illusion in this case because we haven't seen the boy in the same shot as the action. But to ease our doubts there's a brief wide shot of everyone the back of marion and her son look towards the two men joe has the cowboy pinned the cowboy has his gun out he extends it out he swings the gun and cracks joe on the head with the side of the gun like brass knuckles joe is knocked out and the fight is over there's another unintentional comic shot of the boy staring like a stupid frog Marion runs to help her husband. The cowboy marches over to Joe's horse. He removes the saddle and swats the animal to make it run off. The cowboy walks over near the little boy to retrieve his hat lost in the fight. The boy says, You hit him with your gun. I hate you. There's a close-up of the cowboy. He looks sad and he drops his eyes in shame. He turns and walks over to Marion, who is kneeling next to Joe. He tells her to have Joe walk around once he comes to. Marion calls the boy to fetch water and a towel. The cowboy takes Joe's gun and gives it to Marion. He tells her to hide the gun. The cowboy is going to go in Joe's place and he hurries to his horse. Marion says, wait. The cowboy turns and the two have a tender moment that goes like this. Wait. You were through with gunfighting.
2: I changed my mind.
0: Are you doing this just for me?
1: For you, Marion. Joe, little Joe.
0: Then we'll never see you again.
2: Never's a long time, man. Tell him. Tell him I was sorry.
0: No need to tell him that.
1: Take care of yourself.
0: And where she might have given the cowboy a kiss, she sticks out her hand and shakes his. She says, Take care of yourself. There's a close-up of the cowboy, he seems to have run out of words. She gives him a sad smile and just stares at where he used to be. The family sits on the ground together, the father's head in Marion's lap. The boy has a tear on his face and he asks his mother why the cowboy clobbered his dad. The mother only says that the cowboy was forced to stop his father. She tells the boy that he doesn't hate the cowboy. The young boy says he knows that's the truth. Joe's eyes are open but he isn't focused on anything. There's a cut to the cowboy on his horse preparing to go to town. We'll end the chapter there, although the DVD chapter goes on for another three minutes. Do you know this film? You'll hear the answer in the next full episode of Rotcast. We'll discuss the director, the author of the book that the film is based on, and the adaptation. The next proper Rotcast will be episode 27, and get excited because we'll be talking... Death. The business of death, American death, death in Hollywood. We call the show Mortuary Hostess with No Visible Panty Line.
2: Note the lean silhouette, eyes closed by the sun, they're sharp as a hawk. He's got the look of both predator and prey.
1: I want one.